I want you to go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word and join me once again in the book of Acts. We're going to pick up our series as we've been walking our way through the book of Acts. Series has been entitled Church on the Move, and we're going to pick up this week in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. And so I want to read the text for us, and then we will walk back through it together. So let's look at what Luke has to say, beginning in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through and preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes that we'd be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. As we pick up our series through the book of Acts, we once again encounter Philip. If you remember from last week, Philip had gone into Samaria, had preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, and many of the Samaritans had come to faith in Jesus and followed in baptism. And then we encountered the specific snapshot of an interaction between Philip and the other disciples and a man named Simon. And so what we've seen happen is the gospel of Jesus Christ, after Jesus left the scene in Acts chapter 1, began to spread after Acts chapter 2 throughout the world. It began in Jerusalem as Jesus commanded his disciples to make disciples there, and then it spread from there as we saw last week into Samaria. 
But I want you to notice this week that the gospel is going to continue its spread. It's going to transform this man who is from Ethiopia. And so as we look at the text, I want us to walk back through it uh, to see what's going on in Philip's life, to see what's going on in this Ethiopian man's life, and then the result of Philip sharing the gospel with him. So if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down the title of this message, and that is the hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel. The main idea for you is that the gospel brings hope. The gospel brings hope. And as we look at this man's life, this Ethiopian, what we're going to see is that he was in need of hope. And he needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we pick up in the text, you can write down this first truth that we see. Philip was sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Look with me, verses 26 through verse 29. It says, An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise, go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a desert place. So Philip follows the angel's word. The Holy Spirit had sent the angel to tell Philip where to go, that there was a need for him to fulfill as he's preaching the gospel in Samaria. He is getting ready to make his way back to Jerusalem, but the Holy Spirit says, whoop, hang on just a second. We've got a urgent mission that we need to send you on. So he takes off heading towards this desert place, verse 27. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man was in charge of all of her treasure. So this Ethiopian had been in Jerusalem, had been worshiping the one true God, but didn't know the full gospel message. So he knew the God of the Old Testament, but he didn't realize that the God of the Old Testament had continued and revealed himself in his son, Jesus Christ, to make it possible for this man and for us to be saved. So here he's come back from Jerusalem, he's headed home, and he's reading, as we see in verse 28, the prophet Isaiah. Up until this point in time, this man had known the scriptures. He had heard the scriptures. He was even in possession of the scriptures would have been an amazing thing at this point in time, but he didn't understand the scriptures. And the Holy Spirit placed Philip exactly where this man was. Verse 29, the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. The Holy Spirit impressed on Philip to leave and to go to where this man was. And as the chariot is coming by, says to Philip, go to where this man is. Go up to the chariot. Philip was sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in his life, guiding him to this man who desperately needed hope. He needed the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice that not only was Philip sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, but also Philip was skilled in pointing this man to Jesus. Don't you notice verses 30 through 35? It says, Philip ran to him. He heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. 
And notice the question that Philip asks. Do you understand what you're reading? And the man responds in verse 31, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now here's the passage of scripture that he was reading in the book of Isaiah, verse 32. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Philip, after hearing this passage read by the Ethiopian, after the Ethiopian saying to him, I don't understand what I'm reading, his question is very pointed. Who is this passage of scripture about? Who is the prophet Isaiah writing about? Now we've had this conversation as we've walked through the book of Acts that all of the Old Testament is a picture looking forward to Jesus Christ coming onto the scene. And so God throughout history has been coordinating events and orchestrating his plan and his purpose to be unfolded, revelation coming and showing who Jesus Christ is. And so the prophet Isaiah was looking forward to the time Christ would come, but here the Ethiopian is reading this passage and he's asking, who is he talking about? Who is this person that the prophet is describing? And I want you to notice how skillfully Philip answers the question. Verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture from Isaiah, he told him the good news about Jesus. So I want you to think about that. This Ethiopian was someone who feared the Lord, someone who actually had a copy of the Old Testament and was actually reading this, but in this, he didn't have the hope of the gospel. He had never understood who Jesus Christ is. He had never recognized that all of the Old Testament was pointing forward to the Messiah who was to come and that at this point in human history, Jesus had come. Jesus had died on the cross for the sins of the world. Jesus had rose from the dead, but the Ethiopian eunuch, he had no idea that this passage of scripture was pointing to Jesus. And here, Philip skillfully, beginning with that passage of scripture, unpacks for this man the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that brings hope. I want you to notice it doesn't stop there. Here's the third truth that we see that Philip was serious about helping this new believer walk in obedience to the Lord. Notice beginning in verse 36, as they were going along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said to him, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? I want you to notice that the Ethiopian eunuch recognized who Jesus was, responded by faith in Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He had trusted in him to be forgiven of his sins and made right with God. And he looks and asks the question, hey, here's some water, Philip. What prevents me in this moment from following in obedience and being baptized? So for Philip, Philip has an opportunity to help 
this man take his next step of obedience walking with the Lord. And so Philip, as we see in the text, the man commands the chariot to stop. They both went out down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and right there, Philip baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but he went away rejoicing all the way back to Ethiopia. And Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through, continuing to preach the gospel. You see, this was an opportunity for Philip not just to leave this new believer kind of on his own, but to encourage him to take the next step of obedience, that he had trusted in Jesus Christ. But after that, Jesus had given the command that all who are his disciples should follow in baptism. That's believer's baptism, baptism after salvation, where one identifies himself or herself with who Jesus Christ is, that follow him being buried and raised from the grave. That's the symbol that baptism is demonstrating that all who do that symbolic act are claiming that what Christ did on the cross and his death and his burial and his resurrection is exactly what they have experienced in their life, that they are a new creation in Christ. And as we've seen in the text this morning, Philip was intentional, following the lead of the Holy Spirit, to skillfully point this Ethiopian man who was searching for the truth and had did not have the hope that was found in the gospel yet. He pointed him to Jesus, and then he helped him as he took the next step of obedience and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're going to worship here during this time, and then we'll come back in just a moment for some time of application as we seek to apply this text to our lives. So as we consider the text this morning, Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26 and going down through verse 40, this story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, I want to ask a few questions of us to seek to apply the text to our lives. So how can we take what we've just read and what we've just unpacked in the text, and how can we apply that in our lives today? You know, as we look, when we see in verse 26 through 29, Philip being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, I think a great question for us is, in this season, are we being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives? As we think about the opportunities that God is placing before us, even now, are we being sensitive to take advantage of those opportunities for the sake of the gospel? So for Philip in this moment, he was sensitive as the Holy Spirit sent him to go to this Ethiopian man and share with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's the question. Who has the Holy Spirit impressed on you and your heart to share the hope that you have in Jesus Christ? I said this last week, and I want to reemphasize it again. I think right now is a pivotal moment for us as believers and as a church where people are open to hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are asking questions. They're wanting to understand and find hope in this world that's chaotic right now. And for us, the Lord is opening up doors for us every single day 
giving us opportunities. And if we are sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, as Philip was here, we're going to see those opportunities and take advantage of those to share the hope that we found in Jesus Christ. And so let me ask you, who is it that the Lord has placed on your heart that during this season, you know there is an open door for you to share with them the hope that you have personally experienced in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive to the prompting of the Lord, whether you're in the grocery store or whether you're online and you have an opportunity to share hope with someone, whether you're at home and parent, you may feel like, gosh, my world's crashing in around me and these kids will not be quiet and I can't get any work done, but maybe there's an opportunity there where the Holy Spirit is pushing you and nudging you to encourage your kids and to share the hope that you found in Jesus Christ with your kids. Be sensitive in this season to what the Lord would love to do through you. Not only is this an opportunity for us as individual believers to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, I believe that this is a season where we as believers can skillfully point people to Jesus. And I want to do something this time that we have together, and you'll have a graphic that comes up on your screen here in just a little bit. This is going to be just an easy way for you to take a regular conversation that you may have with someone and to turn that into what we call a gospel conversation. Now, this three circles approach didn't originate with me, but it's a wonderful way for you to take advantage of the opportunities and skillfully point people to Jesus Christ during this season. And so if you see this image up on your screen, the first thing I want you to take notice of is the first circle that talks about God's design. And the reality for us is that God has a specific design for our lives, a specific purpose for us, a specific plan for us, a plan for our marriages, a plan for our families, a plan for our work, a plan for all that we encounter in our lives. God's got a plan and a purpose for our lives. But as you see that first arrow that goes out from the circle, we've got a problem. And that problem is called sin. It's the reality that we want to do things our own way. We want to chart our own course. We want to do things the way that we want to do them, not necessarily the way God has designed for us to work and not necessarily the way that God designs for us to live out our lives. And so we choose to follow a different path. That path is called sin. Anything that is against the plan and purposes of God is sin. And the problem is, as you see in that second circle, when we look at God's design and say, no thanks, we want to do it our own way, the reality is that leads to brokenness. Sin in our lives always leads to brokenness. And if you think about brokenness, brokenness leads to shame and regret and wishing that we could change things. And, you know, the squiggly lines that go out from that circle of brokenness are maybe attempts for us to try to fix ourselves, to get out of our brokenness and try to get it all back together, thinking that we can fix our sin problem, we can fix our brokenness, and the problem is we can't. There's no way that we can fix our brokenness. And yet here is the good news. It's the third circle there, the gospel. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news of hope that we need in our brokenness. So for every single one of us, we have the call to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. To repent, that means simply turn away from our sin, and to believe the truth of who Jesus Christ is, that we believe he's the Son of God, that we believe that we in and of ourselves cannot save ourselves, but that Jesus Christ, the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, was able to go to the cross and to take our sin, to take our brokenness, to take our shame, and to pay for that on the cross as he died there. And the reality for us is that if we believe in who Jesus Christ is, if we believe that he is our Savior, if we believe that he died for us, if we believe that he rose again on the third day, securing for us salvation, then we will be saved. And the reality for us is that when we have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior, it leads us to be able to recover from our brokenness, from our shame, from our disappointment, from our past. It allows us to pursue, once again, God's perfect design for our lives. And so here's the thing, as we think about those three circles of being able to point people to Jesus, maybe for you watching this right now, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just want to remind you that as you sit and watch right now, God has a design and a plan for your life. And it's amazing. The problem that separates you from that perfect plan of God is sin in your life. And that sin leads to brokenness. That sin leads to shame and regret and broken relationships. But if you will turn from your sin, if you will trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can be delivered from that sin. You can be made right once again with God, and you can experience what it means to pursue God's design for your life. You know, believer, that is what you have experienced in your own life. And as you have an opportunity over this season you're going to have people who are looking at problems that they have in their lives. Maybe this crisis has unveiled for them problems that they have in their relationships. Maybe it's unveiled problems that they have in their marriage. Maybe it's unveiled problems that they have with their kids. Maybe it's unveiled problems that they have with their work. Maybe in this season, for them, they feel that their problems need to be dealt with. And the reality for us is we know that God's design and God's plan is not what they're experiencing right now. That in their relationships, they're not experiencing God's best. In their marriage, they're not experiencing God's best. In their work or in their finances, they're not experiencing God's best. And the reason is because of sin. That's the reason they're not experiencing that. And so if you have a friend, you have an opportunity during this time when they say, gosh, this seems to be crashing in around me, to remind them of God's plan and God's purpose, that God has a perfect design and plan for their life, but sin derails that. And what they're experiencing, the problems, if they're not a believer, are tied to the brokenness of sin in their lives. And they may be trying to fix it right now. 
They may be trying to fix their relationships. They may be trying to fix their kids. They may be trying to fix their job or their financial problems. And the reality is that none of those things will ultimately be fixed. None of those things will ultimately be made right and be part of God's design and plan outside of them turning from their sin and trusting in Jesus Christ as their Savior, believing in Him because He's the only one who's perfectly lived out the plan and design of the Father. And so as we trust in Him and are forgiven of our sins, we have an opportunity once again to walk in God's perfect design for our lives. And so you have an opportunity with the three circles simply to remind them of God's plan for their life, of the brokenness that sin brings, and then the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. You can take any conversation about just about anything in their lives and turn that into a gospel conversation to skillfully point them to Jesus Christ as we see Philip pointed this Ethiopian eunuch to Jesus. And so my prayer for you over the next weeks ahead is that as those opportunities come and you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that you would skillfully, maybe using the three circles, point people to the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice as well that Philip didn't just leave this new believer. He encouraged him to take the next step of obedience. And so I want to challenge you as well. During this season, for you, what is your next step of obedience in your walk with the Lord? And not only that, what is the next step of obedience for those that you are coming into contact with during this season, for them to continue to walk in relationship with the Lord? For you, maybe this is a season where things have pressed pause in your life and you have an opportunity once again to renew your relationship with the Lord. For you, the next step of obedience is setting aside time to spend in God's Word. For you as a family, maybe the next step of obedience for you is to set aside time with your kids to study God's Word together, to pray with them and encourage them. Maybe for you as a couple, this is an opportunity for you and your next step of obedience to make your marriage a priority, growing closer to the Lord and closer with your spouse. Maybe the next step of obedience for you, believer, is making sure that you take advantage of the opportunities that the Lord is going to give you over the course of this next week. Maybe for you, the next step of obedience is the same step of obedience that the Ethiopian eunuch took. Maybe you've never taken the step of being baptized. Maybe you know that that's a step that you need to take, that you've never taken the step after you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior to follow and to declare to everyone watching that you are going to follow the Lord in believer's baptism to publicly declare what Christ has done in your life. And if that's you, I want to encourage you, reach out to us as a church family. Let us know so that we can help you over the next weeks ahead to take that step of obedience in baptism. Maybe you're watching this and the step of obedience for you is trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Maybe for you in this season, the Lord has pressed pause in your life for you to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and to respond by faith 
in trusting Jesus as your Savior. And if that's you, I want to encourage you as well to reach out to us. We would love to share with you more of what it means to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you need to rewind this video and go back and watch again the three circles and recognize the steps that you need to take to repent of your sin and to turn to Jesus Christ to experience forgiveness and restoration through what his death and resurrection accomplished for you. You know, church family and guests who may be watching, the Bible reminds us that there is hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible reminds us that God uses us, ordinary people, who've been transformed by an extraordinary gospel message to carry that message so that others can be transformed by it as well. And so in this season, may we be faithful to proclaim the hope that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like Philip did to the Ethiopian eunuch. I want to encourage you over this next song to take an opportunity before the Lord in a spirit of worship and a spirit of prayer. Ask the Lord, what is my next step that I need to take? Who, Lord, are you going to lay on my heart? What doors of opportunity are you going to swing open? Help me be faithful like Philip to respond, to walk through those doors, to share the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ.